We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Chris Paul is on a roll right now. Got the screen. Takes it through. Chiseling his way through. Ten of ten. He cannot be stopped. What a performance by Chris Paul. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. Sam, the Phoenix Suns defeated the New Orleans Pelicans after a hard fought yep. six game series are now moving on to the second round. How are you feeling? It I, Well, first of all, I feel fantastic. Thank you for asking. Uh, it wasn't easy. I think every Suns fan was sweating at a certain point in the series. We all felt it. We all felt the pressure. I felt better. We did a playback stream tonight, so we were talking about mm-hmm. it throughout the game. I definitely felt better going into this game than I had maybe at any point in the series with the exception of right after game one, before the Booker injury. That being said, there was still that pressure. The Pelicans made runs in this game. The Suns were down for a significant portion of the game. They were down going into the fourth quarter, and you did not want to have to be forced into a Game 7 scenario where anything could happen. They pulled it out with a Chris Paul masterclass. And when I say masterclass, Mike, I mean yeah. masterclass. Led, like, like, he pitched a perfect game. I know you hate baseball. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you hate baseball, <laughs> but he pitched a perfect game. This How is the equivalent. How do perfect games come in baseball? Uh, like, once every several seasons something okay. like that like rarely. so yeah it's a pretty good analogy then right yeah, yeah. okay yeah it's, it's like pitching a perfect game in the playoffs in 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 baseball i don't know i don't know this analogy that's not why people listen to us let me just get this out of the way <laughs> real quick one willie green is going to be one of the best head coaches in the nba i'm 100 percent confident saying that right now two this pelicans team for as frustrating as the series is and for as frustrating as it was for people to care more about the narratives than the basketball, the story <laughs> is incredible. And they will be adding a 28 points per game scorer who scored 28 points on 60% shooting last year to this team if he comes back healthy. And they could be 
I mean this with no hyperbole, one of the best teams in the NBA. It wouldn't surprise me if they had the best record in the NBA. Not only does he make them better as far as scoring, he also makes CJ at point guard make a lot more sense since CJ doesn't have to handle the ball as much as he is. And CJ becomes the third best player on the team instead of the second best player on the team, which he's been for years. Sure. And they played incredibly hard, incredibly tough, and they did it while playing three rookies. And you have to give them credit and you have to give Willie Green credit. And look, if you had any questions about who Brandon Ingram was before this series, those questions are gone. He's clearly a superstar, and his game is tailor-made to succeed in the playoffs. So I just wanted to say that I didn't have a chance to do this throughout the series because I've just been... I kind of hated them. Tensions, now that the Suns have won... Tension, well, now we can play the high road, but <laughs> tensions rise throughout the series... And I was getting pissed off. You were getting pissed off too. Don't try to oh, deny. Oh, absolutely. It. We're fans. The, <laughs> we're I mean, fans. I mean, think about it, Mike. Flagrant two on Jackson Hayes. Yeah. Flagrant one on Herb Jones pushing Chris yeah. Paul. Flagrant one tonight on CJ McCollum shoving uh-huh. Cam Johnson. It, yeah. it, you know, no fights broke out. But nope. I and I had also pointed out <laughs> at, uh, maybe in the last podcast I can't remember because there are so many of them, but. Pels fans have been talking this series. Like online, the discourse got nasty at certain points. And it, so. it will every round of the playoffs. That's I know. just what it, it is. Always now. Does. That's just what it is. It always does. Now, but uh, now I'll the, say it got nasty from corners where I wasn't expecting it to get nasty. And it was fair. it was good to put that to bed. It was. It felt good. Right. Well, they'll still be they'll if it's anything like Nuggets fans, they'll be talking about it for a year. Uh but now that we got that out of the way, credit to them. Chris Paul, Devin Booker came back in this game, right? The entirety of Suns fans probably expected the story to be about Devin Booker tonight. Chris Paul snatched that directly from him and had one of the best games of his career and set a record for the most field goal attempts without a miss in a playoff game in NBA history in his, what, 16th season at 37 years old, 15th season, 37 years old. One of the best games I've ever watched beginning to end by any individual player. And almost none of the shots were at the rim. This is all jump shots. Uh, an incredible performance by yeah. Chris Paul. The The previous record holder there was Nene, uh, who had gone 12 for 12 in a playoff game. And it's just exactly what you think of when you think about that tor- that type of stat, what you need to do in order to be perfect. You need to be a Nene, a Tyson Chandler, a DeAndre Jordan. You need to be getting layups and dunks for Chris Paul to do it without getting layups and dunks is just phenomenal. And I just did some quick napkin math because of course the stat sheets have not updated and they won't update until tomorrow to reflect his overall stats uh, on the series. So I had to calculate it myself. Chris Paul finishing the series averaging 22.3 points, 11.3 assists per game on 67% true shooting. Obviously that was lifted quite a bit after tonight before you know he was he was pretty good already i think he was around 58 59 if you don't include this game he had one dud of course with the four point game that the pelicans yeah. fans remember fondly um but going perfect tonight lifted him up uh to 67% true shooting that's as good as it gets it's it's just superstar impact no doubt about it no other way to say it and for him to be managing the game dominating the game in this way uh, a week or I think two weeks away from turning 37 officially. It's fairly unprecedented. And yeah, uh, yeah he's had a hell of a series, man. Compared to yeah. the first round series we had 
with him last year against the Lakers where obviously he got hurt. So I don't hold that against him. But at the time he was he was struggling and the team kind of had to persevere uh, in, in spite of his uh, his limitations, literally being unable to dribble with his offhand, literally being unable to shoot the ball. And then to fast forward a year later, and this time it's Devin Booker who goes down. And Chris Paul is still perfectly capable of taking the reins and, and just coast, not coasting, but leading your team throughout a series. So fun to watch. Yep. I mean, yeah, this is what he's here for. This is why you trade for Chris Paul. <laughs> the, yeah, the three-year-old, <laughs> to bring, two-year-old gag at this point. <laughs> to bring back, yeah, last year's meme. Uh, it, it, but it is, it's true. I mean, ultimately, when you have one superstar out, it's the eight versus the one seed then the ideal scenario is that superstar carries you through the end of that series and you're able to win because it's the eight versus the one seed. And I truly believe this is not a normal eight seed. They were playing when Ingram and CJ McCollum played, they were playing at a 52 win pace this year. They're going to be good next year. And that means that it was even bigger of a hurdle than you expected to have in this first round. And people might not realize that now, but I think we're going to see the Suns against a team in the next round, if they're assuming they could be fully healthy and have a chance to look more like the Suns that we saw before, being that their health is there and they're against a team that is more likely meant to be a second round opponent, unless it's the Jazz. <laughs> well, you you had to you had to fling it in there. Uh, just a yeah. reminder to everyone: the vast majority of you, by the time you listen to this, may actually know who we're playing, or at least you'll know the result of tonight's game six between Dallas and Utah. And if Dallas wins, then that means you'll know officially who we're playing in the second round. Right now, we don't know. That game is going on right now. If Dallas wins tonight, just I'm going to get all this out of the way so that people aren't confused about it and maybe we don't have to explain at the end. Um, If Dallas wins tonight, don't worry. We'll definitely record a preview of that series within the next 48 hours or so because that series could start as soon as Monday. Now, if Utah wins tonight... Things get iffy, obviously, and um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that's the uh, that's the ideal scenario for Phoenix fans because Devin Booker could use the extra rest. Um, with Chris Paul, man, just stepping away from this particular series for a second, but you watch the yeah. way he's played. It's a question we've brought up before or has been brought up by listeners to us before. To see him dominate a series like this, I know he doesn't have the tenure. I, you know, it's only his second season with Phoenix, but if the Suns could get all the way that, I mean, he's, he's clearly establishing himself in the pantheon of Suns greats. Right. And, and it, I think all he needs is the ring at this point. If the Suns could get the ring, he's in the Mount Rushmore. Is he not? He's in, he's one of the top four greatest sons of all time. I think I jumping ahead here, obviously, because there's a lot of work to be done before the Suns could win, but just theoretically, if they could do it this year, is it not? Charles Charles Barkley, Steve Nash, and then Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Yeah. I I'll say this to add to that. I've never seen a point guard have that good of a game for the Phoenix Suns. And they have a history of great point guards. Not even not even like Nash certain I mean, dude, the 06 run without Amari the was 48 insane. point game. The 06 against, run was against nuts. the Mavericks. That's probably the closest to it. But I don't think I don't think that it's fully sunk in. And for those who are probably going crazy at what I just said, I don't think it's fully sunk in to go 14 for 14 on jump shots. That's absurd. I I can't even, how do you even do that? Not only that, every single one of them was contested. He doesn't take catch and shoot shots. They're all off the dribble. They're all fadeaways. They're all with guys in his face. 
they're not, none of them were easy, not a single one. And he made every single one. And the, the bounces that he got was like the basketball gods were just tipping them in once they were bouncing off of the rim. I just, I don't think that it's, it's not easy to contextualize just how amazing that was immediately afterwards. So maybe I am being hyperbolic, but I'll be honest. I don't think I am. I don't think I am. It's not an everyday thing to see a guy have a perfect game. It just never happens. um, The only other perfect game I remember in Suns history is I think one time Grant Hill went nine for nine. mm -hmm. And that's all catch and shoots from Steve Nash passes. That's Mm -hmm. not, those are a lot easier shots. And that's the only other one I remember. Yeah. Um, Look, I think Nash probably had a couple of better games. I'm just remembering back to to his true MVP seasons where, especially that year without Amari, he was sensational. But that being said, we're splitting hairs at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't think of another example other than Nash, though. I mean, Kevin Johnson had some gems, but nothing like this. You know, uh, you look back further into the team's history, Westfall. Uh, Walter Davis, other like great guards who played for the Suns, Van Arsdale. Obviously, I'm not. I'm too young to like officially speak <laughs> on uh, on kind of the tenure of all of those guys with the Suns. But my impression is to say that none of them had a game like this. Not none in the playoffs. So, yeah, it, it, this is insane. It's... What about Bob Cousy? Do you think he has? <laughs> I already made that joke. I made that joke yeah. on Twitter. Bob Cousy could not have done this. No. Um, Mikael Bridges was this was first of all this was the best playoff series he's ever had and I think that and this is no disrespect to DeAndre Ayton who was incredible this whole series I think that Mikael Bridges was clearly the second best player on the Suns for this entire series and the performance that he had defensively throughout this series is the best I've seen from a Suns player as well and this is no disrespect to any other Suns player, but the <laughs> we're just going to debate Sean Marion. Sean Marion. We're just going to debate Suns history for this Marion. entire episode. Your legacies, but to have Devin Booker out in the scenario that they were now in, where there were now two incredible shot makers on the other team, and the best defender on both of them throughout the series was Mikael Bridges, and the extent to which he had to be played in order yeah, for the Suns the, to finish it out. That's a big thing is insane. And I think that I kept thinking throughout the series about the Suns securing him to a four-year, $90 million deal that doesn't even kick in until next year. And just how amazing of a deal that is for the Suns because he just finished second in Defensive Player of the Year voting and then had one of the more remarkable defensive performances that I've seen and on the other end of that has been one of the most dependable scorers for the Suns in a series where nobody was dependable except for DeAndre and Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Those so, were the only and, three. Yeah. And to do that for the stretch that he did over six games, I think maybe he had one game where he struggled offensively, but outside of that he was consistent, Yeah, was incredible. And I just think that when I think back on this series, I'm going to think about Chris Paul, of course, and I'm going to think about Mikel Bridges second, I think, because I think what DeAndre Ayton is doing, he's just going to continue doing. So I think we're, we're going to have a conversation about Ayton next, I think. But I just wanted to say that what Mikael Bridges did was incredible for this series. I mean, I know we, we've talked about the whole Iron Man thing to death, but it deserves to be 
brought up once again just because here here's the game by game minutes for Mikhail Bridges in this series. 38, 40, 40, 41, 47, closes out tonight with 44. They don't make them like that that often these days. They just don't. And, uh, you know, obviously he had the last game, which we talked about, that was like the main theme of the last podcast because that was the Mikhail Bridges game. But then to take some of that momentum and to bring it into this game as well, and he finished with 18 points on 12 shots again, but specifically, you had Devin Booker back. Yeah. It does so much for your offense when Devin Booker can almost be used as a decoy. And there's Mikhail yeah. Bridges, who's supposed to be your fourth scorer. But he's he's there was one play where it was just like it was just a high pick and roll with DeAndre Ayton, and he took the defense with him. Both defenders converged on him and he sort of leaned to his left and just finished uh hit the shot over two outstretched arms. I don't remember exactly who it was. One defender was definitely Brandon Ingram, but he brought another defender with him, making Kevin Durant shots, Jason Tatum shots. Like, it's not his bread and butter, but he can do it. He's shown over the past two games that Mikhail Bridges can do that. And yeah. if that's your third or fourth score in a playoff series, you start to see where the offensive ceiling for this team is and, and exactly the level of production that they're going to need if they want yeah. to go all the way. It, he's been remarkable. You know, that's not even to speak about. Obviously, the defense is is the overall thing. That's that's the main thing with Mikhail Bridges, but he's bringing so much more to the table. You're right. He did have that one dud in uh, uh, yeah. game, game uh, four, four, I think. Yeah, game four where they tied it up. He That was the one game this series where Mikhail Bridges was not in double figures. But other than that, he's been... Uh, you know what? I will say they they did a really good job in games one through four, also of keeping him off the three point line to begin with. We yeah. talked about how mm-hmm. Devin Booker's injury changed up the Suns' rotations, changed Mikhail Bridges' kind of role in the offense where he wasn't able to get to his spots. But now all of a sudden, games five and six, uh, he's a perfect six for six from deep. So when he's been getting those opportunities, he's actually been one of the few Suns in the series who can convert from distance. But he's also hitting the mid range shots. Continues to be a phenomenal cutter. Amazing transition finisher. He's got the complete package. The the one thing that Mikhail Bridges could maybe work on, and it's always been this way, is ball you know, handling. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, for sure, ball <laughs> handling. If you ever wanted to be like a true, true, true number two yeah. option, no, you're right. But also, you know, rebounding was an issue yeah, for for this right. team this series. And you're right. One one of the main lessons that it's we the, learn as yeah. we move forward. I don't think this is gonna. Luckily. I don't think this would be a huge issue against either Utah or Dallas. We can say that at this point. But yeah, because neither of those teams are especially physical. But the truly physical teams that play multiple bigs, and New Orleans are one of the only ones left, but there is potential for the Suns to see other ones. If they played Memphis, for instance, if they played uh, a Milwaukee, obviously in the finals, mm-hmm. um, physical teams wear them out. And teams that punish them on the boards consistently can even out the math by getting relentless second and third chance opportunities. And definitely when you look at the the, the certain problems, I don't want to say failures exactly, but the problems with the Suns right now that persist, mm-hmm. you know, you look at Jay Crowder and you look at Mikhail Bridges and you look at Cam Johnson when it comes to the rebounding issues. So, um, but that's not to take away f- from what was a fantastic series overall for Mikhail. He's not the MVP of the series. Chris Paul is the MVP of the series. Uh, but if you wanted to do the hipster vote, the Andre Iguodala finals MVP <laughs> vote, if you will, if you wanted to overthink it and give it to anyone else, Mikhail Bridges is there in that role. And uh, yeah, technically you could do that. There was one shot by Mikhail where he went right to left. I know you know the one. 
in game six, right to left, full speed down the court. Three defenders chase him yeah, yeah. and shoots a fadeaway, fading out of bounds, nothing but net. Two guys closing out on the on the contest. Do you remember who the second and one was? It. One was definitely Ingram. Was it was it also? I think CJ? it was Valanciunas. Really? Okay. I'll yeah. have to go back and look. Yeah. Uh, an amazing, an amazing shot by Mikel that really kind of showed all of his development offensively this season in a single in a single shot because it's uh, that right to left going from the right side of the wing to the left side of the paint is his shot. That's like his signature shot when he's shooting off the dribble. But to be able to make it under that level of duress was amazing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. DeAndre Ayton was amazing in this series as well, I think. Really, when you talk about Devin Booker being out, I think that those three guys were the only guys that did something great in every game, basically. (laughs) Everyone else could not be counted on. Jay Crowder had multiple stinkers. Cameron Payne was not great to start this series. Cameron Johnson did not find his groove until recently, and still, I'm a little concerned. I'll be 100% honest. Torrey Craig played himself out of the rotation. JaVale McGee struggled on defense against mm-hmm. Valanciunas. But DeAndre Ayton consistently scored time and time again in this series. And in particular, I think his first quarters, to be able to get him going the way they have, 
in this series have been huge, huge for this team. And I think I talked about it before the postseason began, but I said that I think a lot of people are going to see something out of DeAndre Ayton that they didn't know existed because his overall box score numbers did not reflect his growth offensively in this season. But I think just to see what he's done in, in this game in particular, the jump shots were wild. He was shooting some really far out jump shots with no hesitation and hitting nothing but the back of the rim in the net. Not to mention and coming off the dribble sometimes. That was coming a, off the, the dribble, that yeah. That was a big thing this series where he would fake, you know, the typical face up uh, or sometimes he would catch it in the post and he would go towards the, the turnaround shot that we're used to seeing from him. But it's it's a shot fake. And then he goes into his next move. And the packages, the combos that he's putting together this series, we haven't seen that consistently from DeAndre Ayton up until this point. It, it felt like a, a culmination of sorts. Yeah, absolutely. His uh, engagement waned a little in yeah. game six, yeah. uh, specifically in the second half, I think defensively. But previous to that, he contested the most shots by any player in the playoffs and held the people he was contesting to a lower percentage than anyone else in the top five. So I know I gave a lot of credit to Mikael Bridges on defense, and I think that it's deserved credit because a lot of times the shots that Mikael was contesting, Aiton wasn't near them because of the way that CJ and Ingram play. But on the other side of that, to have a consistent anchor in the defense, just being able to contest without fouling or getting himself in foul trouble over and over and over again for DeAndre and who was also basically the second most effective offensive player throughout the series just was amazing. And, and just to think about his growth from where he was number one, overall pick came into the league kind of was allowed to do a lot in his first year. Uh, and then Monty gets here. Monty turns him into a paint beast, forces him to take shots at the rim over and over and over again. And then over time, his game now expanding back to what he thought he was going to be when he came into the NBA. And now, the level of confidence I have in his jump shot, there was a period of time where I wasn't sure I would ever get there. And I'm there. And part of that is because he's not just taking it every single time they leave him open. Mm -hmm. He's taking it when he feels it. If he doesn't feel it, he'll put it on the floor. He'll turn his back to him. He'll get a hook shot out of it. He'll try and get past him. He'll try and drive to the rim, maybe get fouled. To be able to have more than one option when he's turning around and he's open from that mid-range, I think is what has made him the versatile offensive player that he is. And I think it's nice that people are finally getting to see the growth that he's he's had on offense. His, his offensive judgment, his shot selection is so much better now. Oh, I say that it's kind of ironic, actually, that I say that because if you look at the actual shot chart, Aiton did what 98% of people would say is the absolute wrong thing for, for a, a modern center to do this season where he took a lot of the shots that he was taking at the rim and he turned in a season campaign this year where he has the same true shooting percentage, the same overall efficiency, but substituting so many of those shots right at the rim for shots from 5 to 9 feet, from 10 to 14 feet, shots that you're technically not supposed to take as a big man. But his judgment at finding the right matchups to abuse and and the right ways to exploit those certain spots on the floor really makes the entire Suns offense so much more versatile uh, and and you see the way that it hums when DeAndre is able to 
to display that judgment. And, and really what it does, it makes Monty Williams' job so much easier that we've gotten to a point with DeAndre Ayton in year four where he can trust him to make those decisions. And he doesn't have to pull him for stupid shots. Igor feels like a long-ass time since we, we've mentioned his name. But, you know, back in all the way back in year one for DeAndre, uh, when arguably you could say he had the biggest green light of his career, actually, because the Suns were going nowhere as a team. But even then, with some of the judgment, with some of the shot selection, at the time, you could tell Igor, being the coach, wanted to bash his head into a wall. You could tell that Suns fans were frustrated. His teammates at times were frustrated, not to say that he had an entirely bad offensive campaign, but we just remember that that's what it was like. The amount of growth we've seen from year one to year four now to get to a point where Monty trusts him, Chris Paul trusts him, and you know that Chris Paul did not always trust DeAndre Ayton offensively, Mike, especially not when he first came to Phoenix. It was a struggle to build that chemistry for a while. Um, And then obviously Suns fans trust him as well, uh, as well too now. Uh, It's just been a remarkable amount of growth to see the shot versatility expand as much as it has. I'm actually really excited. I'm definitely going to pull up his shot chart uh, as soon as we get done recording this, and I'll probably post that to Twitter. It's green everywhere. I can tell you that without even without even looking it up to verify. Yeah. Yeah, and in this game, Devin Booker was essentially a role player, right? We right. didn't really see the Devin Booker that we were used to seeing. He played a lot off the ball. He was sort of a decoy. He didn't shoot a ton of shots. Tried some in isolation, but not a ton in isolation. Ended the game with 13, 5, and 3. 5 for 12 shooting overall. Not a typical Devin Booker game obviously especially as good as he's been against the pelicans this year and you know hopefully you know right now the jazz and the mavericks it's five minutes left in the second quarter 35 34 jazz by the way that's a hilarious score <laughs> we've had games hey, game. hey 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 we've had some games like that too so it's the playoffs stuff yeah. like this happens in the playoffs but yep you know the ideal scenario for the suns would be the Jazz win this one. They go to game seven. Whoever wins out of that one plays the Suns in the next round. Devin Booker has a little more time to heal up, rest up, and be better by the time the second round starts. So ultimately, you were cheering for the Jazz. People listening to this, will, most of you, will know the end of that series by now. Uh, but that will be a very interesting test case because the Suns can get away with winning in the first round without a fully healthy Devin Booker. Round two... That's where it starts getting incredibly tough. They all need to be on their game to beat the Mavericks or the Jazz, whoever ends up winning that series. I think the Jazz is a little bit of a different story, but you never know with that team. <laughs> it's your second shot at the Jazz already in this 25-minute <laughs> podcast or whatever. <laughs> I mean, the Mavericks are better, right? You'd they rather are. play no. the Jazz, right? I, a million percent, I'd rather play the Jazz. Yeah, it's not even close. Yeah. But that's, not to say I, that's not to say I think it would be a cakewalk, but yeah, you're right. It's just funny that you'd rather play the Jazz than a team the Suns have beaten nine times in a row. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair because one team has. I, I mean, I don't. I actually come to think of it, this shows you that in the next day I'm going to start doing a lot of research. I don't know offhand what the Mavericks' clutch record is this season, but with Utah, you know that that is a team that just has not been refined in the fourth quarter when it matters most. They they have built, unfortunately for them, a reputation of. Uh, lack of composure and blowing leads. And against the best clutch team in the NBA, not going to place too many bets on that. So we'll see. We have plenty of time to research that and see see what the deal is, though. Well, I'll tell you this. At a certain point of the season, in the top five of clutch players in the NBA, plus minus, there were four Suns players and Spencer Dinwiddie. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, so that's a good point. 
that factors in and they've been a lot better since they uh, like removed the weight that was Chris Tapp's Porzingis on that franchise. So as much as the Suns have beat them nine times in a row, if the Mavericks end up winning, we're definitely going to have to have a Mavs expert, you guys know who, on this podcast to talk <laughs> to us about that team and the changes that have come because I don't, I haven't watched them enough to feel fully confident about my analysis without bringing yeah. on someone who knows more. Perhaps, um, perhaps someone with uh, at least partially the word Mavs in their Twitter <laughs> handle so that to demonstrate uh, their expertise over the subject. So we'll see. Yeah, we we'll will see. definitely see. <laughs> I think that as stressful as this first round was, I think we'll look back fondly on it being fun. You know, just being the fact that Devin Booker is now back and could potentially be healthy going forward. Obviously, we're going to remember Chris Paul. Obviously, we're, we're going to remember Mikael Bridges. Obviously, we're going to remember DeAndre Ayton. It's important, incredibly important for the Suns, which we will get to in a playoff preview. But it's incredibly important for the Suns, for the rest of the players, to play better as the playoffs roll uh, in order for them to make waves. Jay I'm Crowder. talking to you. By the way, I just saw the picture that yeah. uh, Jay Crowder officially <laughs> is wearing the shirt, the fuck Jay Crowder shirt, which we of course on this pod. This is a, this is, is an explicit pod. Par- parental warnings always. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I thought maybe he wasn't going to do it, but he did do it. And uh, I like the fact that he did it, especially coming off what is objectively, I think. Jay Crowder's worst playoff series of his career. And he's been, <laughs> no, I, but it is. And he's been in a lot of playoff series, but he still has the audacity to talk shit. I respect it, but Jay, we need you to hit shots next round. We need it. The defense yeah. was fine for the most part. It was part. good. Most I games, mean, most good. of the time, you know, there's certain need, guys where even good defense, they score. We need and shots. We learned to Brandon Ingram was one of those. Yep. Campaign. Campaign. Cameron Johnson. Those three guys in particular need Campaign. to play Campaign. You know, like here, here's the scary part about what the Suns are doing right now. It's great to have Devin Booker back. The Suns can't survive forever if campaign continues to do this little with his minutes. You know, there's going to be a certain point where they need some production out of a third guard. Maybe it doesn't even necessarily have to be campaign, but they need a third guard to step up consistently, whether that's campaign or Landry Shamit or even some of y'all's favorite player, Aaron Holiday, who I don't think is going to play much <laughs> in the playoffs, but some people keep yelling at us, play more Aaron Holiday minutes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anyone out there yelling to play more Alfred Payton. The point is, there needs to be a third <laughs> There needs to be a third guy. If that's campaign, great. If it's Shamit, great. If it's Aaron Holiday, great. But someone needs to step up. We need a little bit more bench production. Uh, just getting spot-up opportunities to fall is the first step, but it's more than that. Campaign at his best the way that he penetrates, the way that he sucks in the defense and has his own sort of gravity and and how that opens up shooters. Campaign is so fun to watch uh, at his best. And I have just some very, very fond memories of watching him in the playoffs last year, not to mention watching him throughout even this season, which I think everyone agrees has been a down season for him. He needs to find that spark yep. because uh, they're going to need it eventually. Yep. I agree. I agree. So now we'll wait. I mean, you guys would be a lot closer to knowing who the Suns are playing than, than Sam and I are as we record this. But now we wait. Once we know, we'll get a playoff preview, second round preview to you as soon as we know who the opponent is. And uh, another podcast after every game. I had a blast on playback today. I'm very happy they won. Undefeated on playback so far in the playoffs. We're going to keep them Sam. coming. We'll, yeah. we'll keep them coming. Round Probably, two, we'll let um, you guys know. 
probably game three again, I would say. You know, next road game, we'll do next road uh, game. on playback. Just makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Trying to do the road game so that guys who go to to the games can still join us for the playback ones. So, yeah, we'll be back with another playback stream. Uh, join our Patreon, patreon.com slash the timeline. If you'd like to join us for those, we're having a good time with those so far. Some good luck, even in road games. We appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate you guys for sticking around for the entirety of the first round of the playoffs and we will be back very soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.